Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome and thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly. But right now, if you have questions, concerns or comments as we're on the Last day of 2020. I'll tell you, 2023, I'm looking more forward to that because that's a prime number. I like prime numbers better than I like even numbers. So anyway, it is Saturday morning. We get together and have a discussion about what's impacting your landscape, whether you're thinking about doing something or not, or how your houseplant's doing, and uh, how do you improve soil? Because some of your plants aren't doing so well. Maybe wrong plant, wrong place. That could be the situation. Or should you be doing any pruning this time of year? Is there bugs and diseases out? When the weather gets warm, actually there can be some activity from insects and not so much diseases. But uh, use the information I'll share with you and uh, hopefully it will solidify your options with the final judgment of the action you're going to take. It's going to be on your shoulders. And this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home car, wherever you happen to be listening. Another very important player is James. He's producing, so when you call, he just needs your first name, and he will put it up on the computer screen, and I'll answer your questions or listen to your comments. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since... 1994, I can come to your home and do a landscape consultation. It's a walk and talk, so you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and uh, in the homepage, there's my email address. My email address is going to be changing real soon. I'm getting rid of the AT&T, and it's going to be MMillerDesigns22 at gmail.com, and my phone number is there, too. But for some reason, my phone is acting really weird. <laughs> You call and it just rings and rings and rings. It never answers or does anything. So I got to get a hold of AT&T and see what's going on. Anyway, let's get moving. Today's stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Well, Happy New Year's Eve. And I'll tell you, Tracy and I had not been to the zoo since uh, COVID happened. And so we went this past week. And wow, there's been quite a few changes, you know, since we had been there. So you go through that front entrance and then we, where are we? We don't even know. 
So anyway, we were there to see the polar bears. <laughs> That's what we really went for. So, and we went later in the day. And though this, let's say the holiday lights—I forget what the zoo calls their holiday lighting system—but it was already starting to come on. So we got to see some really spectacular lighting. And but anyway, so we wandered around. We found the polar bears. We didn't get to see any of them swimming, but there was one sleeping on a like a rock ledge. And it was a big one, and his front paw was hanging over the edge, and it just kept flopping back and forth. So that was kind of fun to see the polar bear there. Saw a bunch of penguins, and I mean, a lot of them. And one thing that was very interesting, we went to where the seals were swimming, and this one seal kept coming up and swimming and then putting his back up against the rock edge. He was actually scratching his back. I never thought about seals having a itching back that they need to scratch. So it was great fun just wandering around in the zoo. And uh, we were there kind of late, so they were pushing people out by, I think, 5 o'clock or 4.30 or something like that. So they made the announcement, and everybody that was there, and it was pretty darn crowded because it was really a warm day, uh, started migrating back towards the exits and we got kind of got lost in this and that, and like I said, we hadn't been there for a while, so we don't didn't know our way around. In the past, we'd been there so often that you could kind of almost walk backwards and know exactly where you were. So it's was really a great deal, great good fun, and everything else. Uh, and another you know good place for the lighting. I've already talked about the botanical garden. And But Union Station, I was really surprised at uh, the amount of lighting there besides a giant Ferris wheel, which is, I guess, running all the time. But other lighting with, with the St. Louis Aquarium and other things like that, it was, I mean, some of the lighting situations just absolutely spectacular besides the neighborhood circumstances. So that was, uh, I saw the Union Station on my way down to this down to this station, which is not the Union Station, KMWX Station. But uh, speaking of KMWX, <laughs> we are having some real interesting things going on here. I came into the door and I thought, what is all this? But apparently we're getting some major renovation. We've had it done to the walls, and now they're doing the floors. But, boy, the smell is really kind of strange. So it's almost like making you dizzy. It was some kind of crazy glue or something like that. So anyway, it was uh, very interesting to get here and wander through and uh, watch out for this and watch out for that. All kinds of fans all over the place and sticky floors and kind of weird. Hopefully it'll be all done by the time I come back next week. So if you do have any questions or concerns, 314 436-7900 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. How are your houseplants doing? Hopefully they're doing well. And uh, I have a rosemary tree, and the rosemary tree is really just a rosemary that's been pruned to look like a tree, you know, in a conical shape. But uh, this one, the only way I know really to water, I just decided not to put my finger into the potting mix or not to look down there because you can't see, can't really see it. So I just go by the weight. So this morning it was really kind of pretty light. So I knew it was time to water it. So 
Again, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We'll be back after these messages. The Voice of St. Louis. News that matters to you. KMOX. Speaking of the zoo, one last comment about that. Uh, Cross the highway, cross 64, 40, 64. But uh, Tam Avenue cuts across. There's a bridge there. And then I think that's Clayton Avenue. But the size of the pipes that somebody, I'm assuming it's MSD, is putting in is absolutely unbelievable. They must be six feet plus in diameter. I'm curious what, you know. Where, where are they getting all the water for that size pipe or anything else? It's just, I mean, there's a bunch of them there, but not enough to go hardly any d- distance. So I'm, you know, I'm confused, but that's okay. Let's head over to Sue's yard now. Hi, Sue. Hi, good morning, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, you were talking about house plants, and I, I took a cutting from my fiddle leaf fig. And I dipped it in rooting hormone, and I've been trying to root it in water. And the best I can get is some little white nubs on it, but I don't have any roots, and it's been several months. Is that just a hard thing to do, or am I doing it wrong? Yeah, don't put it in water. Put it in a potting mix for transplanting or for growing you know, new plants. So don't do water. Okay. Once you put— Okay. If you dip the rooting hormone, that's great. But once you put it in water, that just washes it away. So you got to get it. You have to do what you did up to that point, but then put it in a potting mix, not into water. Okay. I had read several different things online that said either option was good, and I guess it was wrong. (laughs) Okay. I will go back and start it. Can I still use that cutting? And if start over with it, or should I take a new cutting? Well, I mean, you could try it because uh, you said it was a fiddle leaf fig? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, the leaf is probably fairly large, even if it was near the tip. But what I'd yeah. probably do is make a new cut, a 45-degree <laughs> angle, then dip it in the rooting hormone and put it in, like, a maybe a three or, a, like, a four-inch pot. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, and have a happy new year. Well, same to you. And now let's go from Sue's yard over to Donna's yard. Hi, Donna. Hi, good morning. I have some trees that I planted in the fall. I didn't know for sure where I wanted them, so I just planted them um, along, kind of along the fence line. Is it okay to just dig them up and move them in the spring? Or, you know, do I need to dig further out than what I normally would to dig a hole to put the trees in? Uh, probably a little bit further. There may have been a little bit of root development, but uh, there's not going to be much. You could almost pull them out of the ground like they were a cork, but uh, oh, I wouldn't perfect. do that. I'd you know I'd pry them up oh. with a shovel, and then but before I would do that, I'd get my new location determined, get the hole that you're going to put them into dug, and make sure that you leave the top twenty percent of the root ball you know, above the surrounding ground in case there's any settling. Oh, okay. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much. Sure. So, again, the hole, the diameter of the hole is going to be about uh, twice the size of the root ball, if not a little bit more, but only 80% as deep. Okay, great. I'll do that. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you. And uh, 
314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This morning when I left, it was, I mean, it's so dark so early in the morning, especially on cloudy days. But uh, we I've it's been a couple days since I put any bird seed out. So here it is, pitch black, and I'm out there throwing bird seed onto the sidewalk for I mean, right now we're getting some, some wrens, occasional blue jay, a couple cardinals, and uh, mainly sparrows. And uh, so, but it's great fun to see them. I enjoy the birds more, you know, a whole lot. Birds and plants. That's and you know, I like dogs too. But uh, that's when I'm looking out of the you know window, and I can look right down to the that area where I throw that bird seed. And uh, and if you're going to feed the birds, don't just buy seed because it's, you know, don't buy the cheapest stuff because a lot of times they're going to just rake it out anyway. And uh, they they have some kind of a, let's say, a nose for good seed and a taste, you know, or taste buds for you know, good seed or whatever it happens to be. But uh, so buy some good seed and enjoy the birds because they – their memory is absolutely unbelievable. I mean, they go flying off, let's say, after getting full of, you know, the seed. But I can't tell, obviously, if it's the same birds that are coming back. But it's just, like, unbelievable that uh, this, the same sort of gang, or it seems like the same gang, comes back. So I don't know where they go. They probably have their own routine or, you know, where they go here and here and here and here. And but uh, the I didn't even know you'd never think of birds having memories, but uh, obviously they do because they come back. And this time of year, there's going to be some catalogs coming. The catalogs are going to be offering some new plant varieties and accessories to you know work into your landscape and things like that. So just keep that in mind. So keep uh, you know keep an eye out for the catalogs. Or just go online and maybe you can have a catalog from a specific type nursery sent to you. And there's going to be classes coming up, classes for problem solving, classes on designs, you know, planting, soil improvement and things like that. And at the Kemper Center for Home Gardening at the Missouri Botanical Garden, they're going to be doing that. And, uh, you know, lots of different other places offer classes and uh one of the better places to go for a class, too, or not better, but a very good place is to, if you're interested and you haven't had much experience with one particular type of plant, uh, just check the Missouri Botanical Garden uh, Plant Society list. And if there's a plant society, attending a couple plant society meetings, you can learn so much so fast, so quick, it's absolutely unbelievable. And uh, that's a really a nice, you know, nice thing. And the people in the plant societies are always more than willing to share their information because they're really into it. So whether you're into daffodils or tulips or whatever it happens to be, there's going to be a plant society more than likely. Herbs, of course, and uh, lots of different. I forget how many different plant societies there are, but there is a great, great quantity. And uh, if you had Information uh, as far as, I mean, if you had, let's say, uh, holiday wreaths and if you had any kind of 
let's say, really 100 percent, you know, trees or tree branches or holly leaves or whatever, you can recycle that and, you know, use that as a mulch in your landscape. So, But just get rid of, you know, take off any kind of uh, ribbons or things like that. But you should be, you know, everything should be fine. If it was uh, 100% real stuff, you can just use it and just put it around, uh, you know, just like you would regular mulch. It's not going to cover very much, but it just will, I mean, it will still hold its, you know, look and its, you know, kind of aesthetics while it sort of biodegrades on its own. And uh, as the lady had called, the first lady calling, this is a good time of year when you can start taking some uh, cuttings, not necessarily for rooting, but cuttings of like forsythia and some of the spring flowering shrubs and bring those inside and put those in water. And then all of a sudden you're going to start to see, ooh, those flower buds that were on or those buds that were on those twigs or branches that you cut off are going to be there and they're going to be opening up. So you're going to have, let's say, a preview of what the forsythia is going to do or witch hazel or some of the others, you know, earlier blooming type shrubs. So that that's another, you know, fun thing to do. Also, if you kind of, let's say, a little bit, uh, let's say, bored with kind of winter time and uh, just, I mean, even getting a pack of seeds or just uh, a little bit of grass seed and just putting it on a, you know, in a potting mix type circumstance and put it in a window and just watch it, you know, germinate on its own. Not necessarily you're going to keep it, but just to see something lively and green growing in your house while everything else is kind of a little bit uh, dormant outside. Well, let's head over to John's yard. Hi, John. Good morning, Mike. How you doing? Very good. Good. Hey, hey Mike, I hate to burst the bubble about 2023, but it's not a prime number. Oh, it isn't? No, I looked it up. It's unusual because it's not a perfect square number, but it's visible by 717, 119, and 289. Whoa! I'm not that smart. There you have it. I got you back. (laughs) Happy New Year. Well, thanks. (laughs) I had no idea. (laughs) That's wild. But anyway, thanks, John. Greatly appreciate it. So it's not a prime number. I guess it won't be a very good year. Then. <laughs> oh. Hi, Larry. How are you today? Good morning, Mike. Uh, Happy New Year to you. Same to you. Uh, my question my, my question is, I've got a Japanese maple that I misplanted probably three, four years ago. Uh is is there a chance I could move it, and if so, when? And one more question, very quickly. I had a bunch of uh, Jap or not Japanese maple uh, zoysia grass that died last year, and for some reason it just it just died. Okay, but I have other areas that are fine. I can see the the grass where it was, and it looks like it might come back. Anything I should do fertilization wise, or anything like that, I should do in the spring. No, not in the spring. Don't do anything at all. Just I would go and rake the area just with a leaf rake, not rake it heavy, just to get the, you know, the, sort of the debris in case it was like a fungus circumstance that actually killed it off and try to get as much of the, like, uh, old blades and everything else that's there out of that, you know, that particular spot. And then uh, it wouldn't hurt if you went and, 
did a little bit of a well, I would probably just do that and see what happens. And uh, maybe if you don't see anything at all happening there, you're probably going to end up having to get some sod, you know, to actually okay. fill in that spot. Okay. And the Japanese maple, it, you can you can move it. I would probably you know move it well before. Uh, let's say any kind of new growth or any of the buds start breaking as far as for the foliage, and uh, but I wouldn't do it too quickly because you know our crazy weather. It seems like it's I mean it's summertime now or almost summertime with a forecast for the next few days, but we don't know what's going to be happening. So if you move something and then we have a severe cold snap and it gets down below zero, then that could be some real damage to your Japanese maple. So I'd probably wait. Until, let's say, after Valentine's Day, before uh, mid-March or so, and move it at that time. And get the location that you're moving it to. Get that hole dug first before you bother moving. Sure. Sure. All right. I appreciate very much. Happy New Year to you. Stay safe. Well, thanks, and uh, Happy New Year to you, too. Mike Miller, KM West Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Our home of the Cardinals. Arnado swings and hits it deep to left field. That ball is out of here. The Billikens. Jumper. Yeah! Billikens win! The Chiefs. Touchdown, Kansas City! We are America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Happy New Year's Eve and party on. And uh, I had some bad news a little bit uh, from a caller here I thought 2023 was a prime number, and he said, no, it isn't. Oh, no. Oh, well. Let's head over to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hi, Mike. Um, this isn't really a gardening question, but it's about birds' memory. It's a little bit of trivia. Great. Okay. 
the uh, Clark's Nutcracker, that's C-L-A-R-K apostrophe S, um, it says uh, every year it prepares for winter by hiding tiny caches of four or five white bark pine seeds, as many as 500 seeds per hour. Then months later, it returns to uncover the seeds, even under heavy snow. A Clark's Nutcracker may remember as many as 10,000 locations where it has hidden seeds. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I would say that. I would say birds have a good memory. <laughs> and then the writer of this said that uh, that's an astounding feat, especially when you consider the dif- difficulty we have remembering where our car keys are. So. <laughs> I thought I'd share that with you. Well, great. Well, thank you. I appreciate You're it. You're welcome. Yeah, I love to. I love to watch the birds too. So. Yeah, great I'm fun. out this. I'm out this morning to go get some more seeds. So, uh, right. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, Happy New Year. Same to you. Thanks, Mary. And uh, let's head over to John Jard. Hi, John. Oh, hello. Uh, hey, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, about about 10 years ago, I bought an apple tree, and I really didn't do anything with it except harvest the apples off of it. And every year it's been loaded with apples, and they're just about as big as a softball, these things, monsters. There's always got more apples than I needed. So, but, but this past summer, it's been loaded with worms. Every apple had six or eight worms in it. Ooh. But but never, but never before. They never did have any worms until this past year. Um, what what should I do to my tree or uh, to keep the worms from getting me this year? Yeah, I'd probably maybe take uh, before any kind of buds start breaking or anything. I'd use a dormant oil and just spray okay. you know all the branches of your tree with the dormant oil. And in case okay. you know, we don't know what the worms are coming from. They might be flighted or whatever. But this way, if they're onto the branches that are, you know, holding on, you know, right. in, a, mm-hmm. in an egg sort of circumstance, we can suffocate them that way. Very good. Very good. A dormant oil. Right. Okay. And I can spray that anytime? Well, or basically during on. dormancy. So you can't, once the foliage or once the buds start opening, you can't spray it at that time. But anytime okay, okay. prior to Before that, I- you're fine. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, thanks for being Sure. Thank my you very pleasure. much. Have a great new year. Thank you. Well, thanks. Same to you. Yeah, I probably wouldn't, you know, spray the dormant oil yet. I'd probably wait until we get into the new year, which is only one more day. No. But, uh, yeah, it's a dormant oil. And then later on, what you might think about doing is if you can figure out what these worms are, that would be great because then you can find out where the adults came. And But there's also a horticultural oil which you can spray once the foliage starts coming out. So you might, uh, that's more of a, let's say, a passive, less uh, aggressive type, you know, insect control circumstance. So that's probably dormant oil now. And then once the growth starts, you know, happening, then you can use a horticultural oil. I'll write all that down. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, John. And 314 436-7900 Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. We were out and uh, Tracy and I were at a grocery store and we were surprised at uh, how many amaryllis the florist area had in this grocery store and how cheap they were. They were really extremely cheap, so it was really kind of you know interesting to see them that cheap. And uh, the, the you know I I mean they were in a box so you couldn't really see them. They had some that were potted up and uh, were growing. I'll tell you, I would get the ones that were in the box myself as opposed to ones that they already had germinated. And uh, your amaryllis, if they finish flowering 
or if they haven't, once they finish flowering, cut that you know the flower stalk off, and then you're going to see some foliage come out. And the foliage is going to be pretty good size. So just realize that when you put it into a window, that it's going to need some space because it's going to go off to, uh, like at the three o'clock and nine o'clock, or twelve o'clock and six o'clock. The foliage doesn't go all the way around the bulb. It just goes out, you know, in basically two directions and then just let the foliage grow all the way up until next September. And then next September, you'll cut that foliage off. But uh, what that foliage is doing is building up the bulb slash the ability of it to flower the following season. Let's head over to Mark's yard. Hi, Mark. Mike, Happy New Year to you. Same to you. I just wanted to help you with your mystification on the pipes you saw at the Tam Avenue overpass. I live in the immediate area where that's going on. Oh, really? What that is, it's part of MSD's Operation Clear. They're under orders to alleviate a lot of these older metropolitan areas in the central cities and the uh, immediate older suburbs have combined sewer systems, which is not good. Stormwater and sewage is combined. Mm. And in heavy rains, that can cause backups into basements, which is a problem. So this has been years in the working, and finally starting to dig this winter. They're going to install an 800-foot-long underground storage pipe under Oak. That's Oakland Avenue, not Clayton Avenue. Okay, my at fault. At that point, and uh, feeding into the side streets are some of the piping that uh, will fill those pipes. So that'll uh, alleviate the problem. They've just dumped or delivered in front of my house. I don't know how they're going to use these uh, two pipes on my block that are three times the size of those. <laughs> <laughs> Can't imagine how they're going to use those, but uh, anyway, that's what it is. Well, well, thanks for the insight. So, in other words, it's not really to transport; it's to actually hold the water. Correct. Wow, I would have never guessed that. Until it can be drained away safely. Right. So, I mean that that whole area, that stretch you know, strip of Oakland there. I mean, it was like some giant cranes and all this other, not cranes, but uh, backhoes and things like that. I was just like, good grief. Well, they're still sitting there. They're they're at my street. They're excavating underneath the whole street. So the whole street is is pretty much torn up. Yeah, I'm curious where people park. Well, we have a lot of alleys which which help alleviate the problem. Well, that's true. That's where your garage is going to be or whatever. Yeah. Well, great. Well, thanks for the insight, because I had no idea what those things were going to be for. <laughs> That's what it is. It's, it's kind of a federal mandate to uh, move in the direction of alleviating the combined sewage systems in some of these older cities. Well, great. Well, thanks, Mark. Be good. Have a good year. Yep, you too. And now let's head over to Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, uh question for you i've got about i'm living in a rural area and i've got about an acre that i've put in in wildflower seed uh this fall and uh, what i want to do is put something down as a cover crop that's going to be attractive because it's going to be pretty unsightly the first year so i'm just looking for some recommendation uh probably you know i'd like i'd like flower and it's 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 almost all sunlight uh, and uh, well drained old pasture ground is what it is. Oh, great! That I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to mow anymore, and I want to bring in pollinators. Well, probably what I would think about doing is using it like Dutch white clover or owl's clover, which is the one that has the more or less purplish, which is bigger than the Dutch white clover. 
mix okay. it in with your wildflowers because both of them are going to provide, you know, sort of, a, um, let's say, pollen for insects, for pollinators and things like that, for bees or whatever. And then uh, the wildflowers should be strong enough and be able to be able to grow within either one of those two. The owl's clover is more of a clump grower, where the Dutch white clover is more of an aggressive send rhizomes out circumstance. Okay. All right. Very good. Thank you. Yeah, I would stay with the clover because not only is it, you know, flowering, easy to grow, doesn't need mowing or anything, and then consequently it actually absorbs nitrogen out of the air and then sends it down into the root system and it actually improves the soil that way. So that's a, you know, a plus side of the clover just in general. All right. Very good. Thank you. Sure. And now let's head over to Kathy's yard. Hi, Kathy. Hey, good morning. Uh, I have a question about the amadillas. I um, I, pl- I have from last year, and I did everything they said to do, and I got the greenery, but I never did get a flower. So what you're saying now is that I'm not going to get any kind of flower? Not not this late, generally. I mean, you could. <laughs> so you have foliage on it now? Yeah, it's got the leaf, but never got a tubular, you know. Right. So... Just remember in September to cut the you know cut the foliage off, let yeah. it go totally dormant, no water, no fertilizer, no nothing, and it, some people put them in dark closets. I don't know if you can. Well, you, I, I put mine downstairs in the basement, but I didn't water it or anything, and I brought it up and did. I thought I did everything, but I when I brought it up, I fertilized it. Maybe I shouldn't have. Well, it probably wasn't necessary to do that, but uh, okay, you know what? So it should, now uh-huh. you should you know. After you bring it up and put it in the, you know, where they don't I need put, sun for the, you know, for the flowering aspect, mm-hmm. but uh, just place it and, you know, start watering it and uh, you should get a flower stalk, you know. Uh, nope, didn't get it. So now I'm just going to let it go, right? And um, yeah, like, like a plant. Okay, so then I bought another little beginner one. I call it beginner, just a bulb with a little starting and it's starting to come up a little bit. Uh, so I don't know if I'll get a flower out of that either. Well, you should be able to tell the flower stalk coming up is going to look a little bit different than the foliage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I'll try again. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck. Okay, thank you. Sure. Uh, Bye-bye. Yeah, I mean, you can fertilize them while they're growing, while it has a foliage on it, but during the flowering process or anything else, it's not necessary to fertilize. The little beginner uh, that I just bought, don't fertilize that? Uh, well, it's, just watch it, and uh, if you think it might be a flower stalk, go ahead. and you can, As long as it's actively growing, you can fertilize. Okay. Okay. And then I put some in the, in the refrigerator. They said, put them back in the refrigerator if they're not getting anything, in, and then replant them. <clears throat> Is that going to work or just... That's uh, really O-tail. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, I just keep on messing with them. They were so beautiful last year, and, and I had so many. I had three, or, and then I thought, oh, good, and uh, I put them outside on the porch and blah, blah. I thought I did what I was supposed to do. So something went, hey, okay, so I'll just keep messing with them. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thank you. Yeah. Putting them in a refrigerator, oh, creepy. No, I'm just kidding. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have phone lines open. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Yes, folks, and holiday lighting, 
in the Francis Park area, there's two different two different circumstances. One's a house, one's a fence that runs along a school. But what you do is you go into that area and then you fine tune your FM station. And then there's going to be music that comes out of the FM station, you know, regular. It's not a regular radio station or anything else. It's kind of in between. But it matches all the lighting. And the lighting will keep the beat. And the, I mean, it's just absolutely incredible. So it's, uh, we've actually gone either two, I think twice this year to, to see and to listen. I mean, the music is fantastic. And, uh, the, you know, that combination of the beat and the sounds of the music that's playing, that, you know, then the lighting just bounces the same, you know, on that same beat. It's really kind of an incredible circumstance. Let's head over to Joe's yard. Hi, Joe. Hello. Hi. Yeah. Um, about five years ago, I bought six blackberry plants from a um, seed catalog company. Mm-hmm. Um, put them in. Um, they've grown up really big. They've really spread every year. I cut down like the old, the old stalks or whatever. Um, in the springtime, they bloom like hundreds of blooms, and I never get any blackberries. They're, they they bloom, but they only have little tiny, like BB sized blackberries on them. Uh, are you fertilizing? Yes. So you're doing everything you possibly could. Now, how many years ago was this? It was about five, maybe six years ago. I yeah. put them in. I think I bought six of them, and they've just. You know, they've taken over the whole back of my yard. They've spread. You know, they come up three, four foot away. But like I say, they they bloom in, in the spring. They got blooms all over them. But the blackberries are just tiny. So, so there's something is not pollinating them is what's happening. And so whether they're wind pollinated, it may be the, you know, maybe variety because if they have the ability to flower and then don't set any, you know, fruit. Now it's normally it's going to be three or four years before you start to see much fruit set. But if you're seeing minimal fruit set of, and it's not really edible, then I would say the only thing to, for you to do is just be a little bit more patient because it sounds like you're doing everything just right because you're getting the colony to, you know, increase in numbers and everything else. But, uh, why you're not getting a good fruit production out of them, that's a little bit of a mystery. Yeah, well, the only thing I know is um, right before I had put the, them in, there used to be a big, um, huge ditch that ran for, you know, blocks and blocks, and MSD came in, and they dug all that up, and then they um, put um, sewer underground and all that and covered it all up. So I had this new area that used to be this ditch, and that's where I put them. Right. But if you, you know, you sometimes you would think, well, it's because of subsoil backfill and all that other stuff. But if you're getting to, to grow and you're getting them to foliage-wise and you're getting to flower, then that really has nothing to do with, the you know, the soil they're growing in. Yeah. Okay. So it's just going to be, you know, a matter of patience. And hopefully you kept the you know the receipt or whatever the information on what variety of blackberry that is. You might you know if you have that information, you might go to the botanical garden website and you know put in or the University of Missouri Extension Service for the Agriculture Department 
put the name of the variety that you put in, and maybe there's a variety that's going to do better as far as fruit production. Yeah, because, I mean, they're covered. they got thousands of thorns on them. Right. You can hard, you know, <laughs> try, try to get in there, and you just your whole arm gets scratched up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Well, good luck. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. Sure. And, Ralph, could you do it kind of quick? Yeah, I just had a couple of questions about uh, my pecan trees. Why do they pecans fall off in July, every year in July? Just because there's too many nuts on the tree, so it's it can't support them. That's you know it's like a lot of pressure on the tree, so it's dropping them, but it's not dropping all of them, is it? No, but I would say about eighty percent of them. Oh, really? Come, yeah, they, they will come to full size and then fall off. And then when they fall, you crack them, and they're not. There's no there's nuts. nuts in them. There there's is? a there's a fruit in them. Yeah. Okay. Well, great. So I don't know. You know, I've contact, sometimes I people have told me too much water, too much, not enough water, not, and I, so I don't know why they're doing it every year. I brought them back from Arkansas. They're big pecans. Well, great, but I, it sounds like to me they're you know working just fine. But I never get any fruit, though. I mean, I never get any pecans in the fall. Oh, you don't. Well, no. Maybe this particular variety, without knowing which variety it is. You produce his nuts a little bit earlier. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's a mystery to me because he does it every year and I don't get <laughs> Well, the squirrels get what's left. That's what I mean. <laughs> right. Well, they need it, <laughs> I guess. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but, right. I mean, if you're getting nut production, and even though it's not in the fall like you would anticipate, it's got to be, you know, probably variety-wise, hybrid-wise or whatever, that's you know mm-hmm. causing it, but it's they're dropping the you know the nuts because it's exhausted tree to you know keep the nuts on, and that's why they're dropping them at this particular time. Is there anything I can do about that, or it's no. just mother nature? No, it's just you know it's like I say, it's variety wise more so than anything else. And you think well, pecans are pecans, but there are hybrids and you know ones that maybe grow in Arkansas are just a little bit different than the ones that would do well here. Right, they, they're here. The, usually around here, we have the little paper thin, paper shells, you know. Right, the exactly. Bags. Yeah, and and just uh, as an update, my yellow wood is was just on fire last year. The bees, I mean, it just smelled so wonderful. It's great. Well, great. Well, thanks, Ralph. Mike Miller, K M S Garden Hotline. See you after the news. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thank you, Scott, and welcome to Garden Hotline Tip of the Trowel, which I'll be giving shortly. But right now, you can give us a call. We've got phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And thanks for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection, caring for, ups and downs and all around, of annuals, bulbs, edibles, ground covers, house plants, lawns, perennials, roses, shrubs, trees, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path that you can take towards success, but just strictly offered for you to consider. Across the big board, there's James. He's producing, so when you call... 
He will just need your first name, and he'll get put you up on the computer screen, and then we'll go from there. Uh, during the week, I do landscape consulting, which I call walk and talk. I can come to your home and do some evaluation of the situations that you have, and I'll keep my eyes open for other things as well. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, on the homepage. There will be an email address, but my email address is going to soon be changed to mmillerdesigns22 at gmail.com. I'm getting rid of the AT&T circumstance. But anyway, when I come to your home, I'll share 40-plus years of experience as it relates to your home's situation, land-wise, soil-wise, and everything else. Tip of the trial is a special recognition for an individual group or situation that's made an impression on me and is brought to you by St. Louis Composting. 636-861-3344. Tracy and I were heading north, uh, from actually from Jefferson County uh, yesterday, and there was a major accident along 55 going south, and the uh, tip of the trial goes out to the firemen. The firemen were there because of the accident and everything else, but they were having to push some of these cars off the road they were doing all sorts of things to make it so this you know situation because the traffic was backed up almost all the way past uh, Loftboro, so that's from way way down there in almost to Jefferson County, and so but these guys were out there. They came because of the wreck and they got that situation taken care of, but having to push wrecked cars <laughs> off the road until tow trucks could come and get them. Uh, so a tip of the trial goes out to all the firemen and all the different types of work that they do in situations like that. So thanks to all the firemen for their work and everything that they do. Well, let's, uh, Eric's been hanging on the phone. Let's go ahead and get him. Eric, how are you today? I'm doing fine, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I've got a question on uh, Rose of Sharon and when it's a good time to prune this. I read one article where it said early spring or winter. And um, it's an established type of plant, and, and uh, I've got I see one one part that I was reading in a book where it said to to keep the plant from getting too large to cut the back the stems to laterals or growth buds, and I don't know what that actually means. <laughs> well, they you just don't want what what you're trying to do is just control the amount of branching there is, and to me I don't know why you'd want to do that, but. Uh, you know, it's just an uh, individual type circumstance. But pruning-wise, anything that blooms in the summer, which Rosa Sharon does, you can prune in the wintertime and spring up until you start to see the buds open up. And those buds that open up in the springtime are going to be ones that are just foliage. It's not going to be flowers. But anyway, so you can prune up to that point. And as far as, you know, cutting back, you're, what they're talking about is just – they do send out a lot of new growth, and the new growth, uh, you know, can be new twigs coming off the larger branches of the Rosa Sharon, just eliminating those. That's what they're talking about. Okay. And I got one other question on, like, I've got some service berries, um, is, and they're pretty established. They're probably 18, 20 years old. Or is it, can you cut those back in a certain length? Uh, just watch out because, I mean, they're a native, you know, native shrub and consequently kind of a large type shrub. 
spring blooming. So if you want to see the flowers, you're going to have to anything that blooms in the spring, you should wait until after it flowers and then do the pruning at that time. Okay. Yeah, because these are pretty tall. They're actually like a tree almost more than a shrub right now. Right. They do get, uh, you know, they do get as big as a dogwood. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. But it's real pretty in the spring when it blooms. Really pretty. Right. Absolutely. And then they've got good fall color as far as the foliage. And then you've got the, you know, the service berry, the actual fruit for the wintertime a lot of times. Right. Okay. Well, thank you very much for the help. Sure. My pleasure. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Just be careful as we sort of like with this screwy weather, what this does is, you know, the soil when it freezes and thaws and freezes and thaws, there can, during that process, there could be air pockets down around the feeder root systems of any of your plant material. And then when it gets really cold again, cold air is going to sink because warm air rises and cold air sinks. It could get into the, you know, those air pockets and then do some damage to the, to the feeder roots of your plant material. So just watch out about that. This time of year, what you can do is deep root feeding, and that's actually feeding your soil around trees or shrub, you know, major shrub plantings where you go out halfway from the trunk to the extension of the branches, and you just get an electric drill with an earth auger, which is a drill bit that is about one inch in diameter. You auger holes about two feet apart, and then you backfill those holes with compost. And what you're doing is you're feeding the soil. Then the soil will, in turn, feed your plant material. So it's actually a better way to do, you know, as far as the overall health of trees, more so than fertilizing the trees. So then you may do one concentric circle all the way around. Then you move out a couple feet and do another circle. And then you go out just beyond the extension of the branches and that's where the majority of, uh, in that distance, the majority of the feeder roots are going to be. So 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Phone lines open, and we'll be back after these messages. Live and local, this is St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Bunny's yard. Hi, Bunny. Hey, Mike. Um, I got a rosemary plant for Christmas. Now, how do I take care of it in the winter? Basically, put it in a window and uh, just don't overwater, and that's about all you really need to do. Okay, that's it, huh? Yeah, so don't don't fertilize it because the days are just too short. You don't want to okay. force any kind of growth. And I've, you know, I read something uh, that said, I don't know if it came in one of those foil wrappers around the pot because it was a decorative, you know, holiday yeah, type it, thing. It did. They always say puncture that, but I don't, you know, puncture it. So, okay. So, what I do is that's what I, it, you know, it does hold the water, I will admit, but it just means that I only water less often because. All the water doesn't drain out. So I just, you know, the secret is don't overwater, don't fertilize, and put it in a sunny window and rotate it. 
about oh, a, one okay. qu- yeah one quarter turn every day or two, and then that's the best thing you could possibly do. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, I've really enjoyed the rosemary. And then obviously, you know, while you're enjoying it growing or being in your house, just, you know, touching it and having that nice smell, that's, a, you know, a great part of it too. So let's head now from Bunny's over to Nancy's yard. Hi, Nancy. Hi. Hi. I have a problem. I went out to put my cat out this morning, and there's all these weeds growing. Um, you know, the ones that you told us to kill last summer, and some I did, but these are growing in my flower bed. Is there anything I can do? Um, it has, it's about medium green, has um, stem maybe a half inch long, and then a little flat leaf, almost pretty with six little um, ridges or ruffles around the edge. And then there's another one that's really dark green with a little red, and its leaves really spread out. The center looks like a pinwheel, and then longer, you know, than the leaf extends. Yeah. And they're all over in my flower bed. Yeah, the, you know, these are probably hen bit. There's not the herbicides are really not going to be all that effective. I mean, you could try them, but uh, before you do any application of an herbicide, just read the label because it's going to say temperature wise. You know, don't bother spraying it or painting it or, you know, dabbing it on the plants. But what you, you know, I don't know if you want to do this, but uh, they dig up pretty easy. So if you have any kind of, you know, weeder, then just go out and dig them and get rid of them that way as opposed to trying to use an herbicide. And what about vinegar? Um, is there anything else? I don't want to do salt. That will fill my ground for Oh, yeah, flowers. right. You don't want to well, do that. what about vinegar? Well, vinegar is, you know, I mean, people say don't put salt because what it does is, you know, change the soil pH more alkaline. But vinegar, oh, yeah. if you've got horticultural vinegar, which is formulated specifically for control of, you know, weed circumstance, I would do that. But not regular vinegar because that's acidic. And that could have an adverse impact on the plant material that's growing in the bed space. So the heat that we're having now is not enough to allow the herbicide to work. Is that what you're saying? We're only going to get a couple days that needs longer? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, just read the label. The label will tell you, you know, how, you know, what the temperature has to be to make the application. So even though it's going to be 60 or whatever, it's going to be absorbed, but uh, is you know the plants are you know slowing down and then speeding up and then slowing down according to the temperature, and then by midweek it's going to be back down in the 30s. So uh, they may work. You go ahead and you could give them a try, but don't expect total success with them. So go out and enjoy the flower bed with my cat and dig up. It's what you're saying, right? <laughs> exactly. Or if you want to, like if you do have an herbicide, rather than spraying it because you don't want it to drift on anything, even though it's, let's say, less than active this time of year, uh, just, you know, dab it right on to the actual weeds and then uh, go from there. Step on the weed first to open up a wound and then, you know, paint some or dab some onto that weed that you've just stepped on. All right now, will that hurt the uh, bulbs or the things that are beneath the ground that are sleeping now? No. Not at all. Okay. Okay. Don't want to ruin my peonies for next year. Okay. All right. A day with my cat in the yard. Thank you. All right. (laughs) Yeah, the peonies, I mean, just watch out. I mean, hopefully you'll know where the peonies are. But uh, the peony eyes, which is actually the growth point, which sends out the new foliage before the flowers, 
uh, they're really pretty near the surface, so they're only about a half inch or an inch deep. So if you start stepping on stuff, you might, you know, damage some of the, you know, the peony eyes, even though they're below the surface. So let's go from Nancy's over to Dennis's yard. Hi, Dennis. Hello. Hi. I just have a, a quick question. I have several 30-plus-year-old pin oaks around my house. Is oak wilt still a, a threat to these, and is there a preventative treatment? Well, some of the tree services will you know, use an injection-type circumstance. That will help. But, yeah, I, it's always it's going to be, you know, once some major disease comes in, Hopefully it's never going to be like what the emerald ash borer did or those things where so many of the ash trees were just had to be eliminated entirely. But uh, I don't think the oak wilt is going to be that problematic. But you never know, you know, what, you know, nature, mother nature and global warming and everything else is going to bring. Yeah, I, I just would hate to lose these trees. Right, because they are. I mean, they're. The red oaks, you know, just in general, which a pin oak is one of the red oak group as opposed to white oaks, they are definitely more prone to problems versus the white oak. But the advantage of the red oak over the white oak group is the red oaks grow a lot faster. The white oak group is really slow growing. And, I mean, you're basically, if you plant even a larger one, you're going to spend your whole lifetime before you're going to get much, you know, impact out of that tree. Yeah. Well, these pin oaks are probably 30 years old. Right. Okay, I'll just keep an eye on them. Right. And uh, it wouldn't hurt to have a tree service come out and, you know, do an examination of them because they can tell you if, you know, if they're starting to see some sign of this, you know, potentially a problem with the wilt. And then they can offer you, you know, a way that they can do an injection that would help control it. Okay. Thank you. Sure. My pleasure. And we have phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Uh, the lady called about uh, the broadleaf weeds that were growing in her bed space. She got them under control in her wa- in her lawn area, but now they're, you know, they're annual weeds. They're cool season weeds. So, in other words, these are weeds that actually last August – they were germinating. That's when I was talking about putting a pre-emergent down to kill those seeds right as they were germinating. But uh, didn't put the pre-emergent down in, you know, in her bed space where her peonies were growing. And so consequently now she's got – there's all kinds of cool season annual weeds. So they grow all – you know, they germinate in August, grow f- through the fall, through the early winter, through midwinter – through late winter and then early spring, the only time they, you know, sort of disappear and they just die. But this whole time that they are growing, they are dropping seeds for the following season. And then when the weather gets warm, then they disappear. And that's when another series of annual weeds, which is warm season weeds, they start germinating, um, you know, weather dependent temperature wise uh, sometime around when the forsythias in flower. So the weeds are... (laughs) They are a lot of work. There's no getting around it. So also, you know, one thing in your cool season lawn areas, besides a weed circumstance, just watch out for, uh, you know, types of fungus because there are funguses that, uh, you know, 
become problematic this time of year. So if you see patches that look like bleached or pale, some of the blades could be kind of a pinkish, slimy look or a bluish tint on them, you should probably get a lawn service out there or go to your favorite garden center to see what kind of treatment they would recommend for a fungus problem on your cool season uh, lawns. Cool season meaning bluegrass or fescues. Fescues are going to be less prone to it than bluegrasses. Bluegrasses are a lot more prone to fungus problems, insect problems, and things like that. Fescue is, you know, even though it's not technically the fescue that's native to this region of the world or country, uh, the fescues are a tougher type of grass. It's just they're not really invasive like uh, the bluegrasses are, so they don't spread nearly as fast. They're more of a, let's say, a clump grower. So 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The Chiefs, the Broncos, this Sunday. All right, ready? Slant, swing, boogie, on my count. Ready? Catch all the action here. Pre-game at 11. Kickoff, 12 noon. Touchdown, Kansas City! On your home for Chiefs football. AMOX. Phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or one 800 and let's head over to Carol's yard. Hi, Carol. Hi there, Mike. Hi. I got a I got an amaryllis uh, as a Christmas decoration. Mm-hmm. When I don't know what to do after the blooms on the main stalk are gone, can I cut that stalk off? Oh yeah, definitely. And then okay. just uh, you know keep it in a nice sunny window, and you water it, and just uh, then you're going to start to see the foliage emerging from the bulb, and the foliage is going to be about, uh, oh, depending upon what size the bulb is, about an inch, you know, across, and then each side is probably going to have about uh, each side of the bulb. Only two sides are going to produce the foliage. Each one is going to probably have maybe three or four leaves, and just grow that, let it grow all the way up until September, and then you'll cut the leaves off at that time. Um, Do I fertilize it? Yes, I mean while it's once you know once it's finished flowering, then you can start once it, the the foliage starts growing, then you can fertilize it. But probably don't over fertilize it. Uh, just a normal type of fertilizer, Miracle Grow or whatever it happens to be. But just mm-hmm. do a half a label rate and uh, do that about once a month should be adequate. 
Okay. This is really an interesting looking bulb. It's like like waxed. <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah, it, it's really been been very lovely. Yeah, they're so great. I want to keep it going if right. I can. Okay. They're pretty Thank tough. Thank you very much. Yep. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, um, I hope I don't kill this one. No, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks a lot. Sure. And now let's go over to Barb's yard. Hi, Barb. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, what do I do with Christmas cactus when they're finished blooming to keep them to next year? Uh, basically, they're pretty tough. They're, you know, tough and durable. To get them to rebloom, that's really the problem most people have. The foliage-wise and everything else, you want to put it in a bright, sunny window, and you want to water it. Once the potting mix starts shrinking away from the inside of the pot, water it. Definitely don't overwater it or water it too often because you can start rotting the root system, and that's going to be trouble. But uh, so a sunny you, win, a sunny window during the winter. Yes. Oh, okay, it, okay. Uh, the other question was uh, a fiddle leaf fig. Uh, they're four or five foot tall, but the stems are not that big. Can right. I fertilize it? Would that help? No, that's not going to make any difference. So they oh. kind of, the, let's say the trunk on the fiddle leaf fig, they have those huge leaves, but the, the stems right. are always really skinny. So you're never really going to have, like, you know, I mean, there's other okay. Okay. other fig I've trees a, that have more of a trunk, but they don't really have one. I've got a friend that's got about a 15-foot one, and it's attached to the wall. She said it for years. Uh, I water it once a month while they're in Florida, and... I would like to achieve that, <laughs> but, but maybe not. She's had her for a number of years, right? And yeah, they lose, they lose leaves, but uh, you know, it's more common. Uh, it's kind of neat, uh, let's say. Right. Uh, the uh, one other qu- question: Rex begonia is huge. Uh, just light watering uh, this time of the year. Yeah, because the days are so short, that's why we got You got to cut back on the watering, or else it's going to you know cause problems just in general. So with the shorter days, that means less water is needed for the overall health of the plant. That's why you water less often. Okay, I overwatered a plant. Uh, if I take some of the soil out and put some different in it, will that? correct my problem? Well, only if you catch it soon enough, because if you don't, the the root system's already started to rot, and even though you put uh, new dry soil in there, it's not going to make much difference. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I'm babysitting a plant for somebody. <laughs> okay, thank you, Mike. Sure. <laughs> and now let's go over to Gary's yard. Hi, Gary. Hello, sir. How are you doing today? And Happy New Year. Same to you. Hey, I got a couple of questions. On the standard uh, Rose of Sharon and on the standard crepe myrtles, probably the medium size, 8 to 10 feet and so forth in St. Louis area, what's the best time to prune those? And um, and also, I just want to point out, Kaleidoscope spir- uh, abelia, probably one of the best plants I've seen in the past couple of years. Oh, really? All right. Yeah. Yeah, Beautiful the, colors. Yeah, the abelia is, you know, and definitely a nice, you know, nice plant, control growth and everything else, minimal amount of, uh, you know, care is really needed. And with the continuous other one, bloom all season long. Right. That's a nice yep. thing about them. Yep. 
And uh, as far as pruning those summer bloomers, it's yeah. uh, as we come out of wintertime, sometime yep. after Valentine's Day, before the new growth begins, as far as you know, leaves emerging from the buds, that's when yep. you want to do the pruning. Okay, sounds good. And, uh, hey, uh, Happy New Year once again from uh, Gary in St. Louis, Gary Wangler. Oh, wow, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> nice just, I didn't want to type your show, but just wanted to say hi. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks, Gary. All right, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. Sure. Gary and I used to work at the Botanical Garden together. And speaking of callers, like last week, uh, Charlie called. And Tracy said, well, why didn't you tell Charlie Brennan that, uh, you know, ask him a question because he had called last week and he called about his magnolia losing some of his southern magnolia losing some of his leaves. Sorry, Charlie, I didn't give your <laughs> give you a push on the air. But anyway, thanks to Charles Brennan and Gary Wangler. And uh, boy, over the years, I've had the opportunity to meet a lot of great people. That's for sure. Other things that you need to be thinking about in your yard, too, depending upon where you live, uh, watch out for the wildlife damage. It could be something from voles or squirrels or mice, you know, sort of scraping the bottom of the bark on your, you know, your plant material. And the, the problem with, you know, let's say something eating the bark, understand that the bark is just a thin layer, but what it is, it covers and is part and has the vascular system or the veins as part of the really crucial part of the plant material. So if the bark is rubbed off by a deer's antlers or chewed off by some kind of a small rodent or a rabbit or whatever it happens to be, then that means there's no veins on that part. And if it goes too much, let's say, all the way around, then that's more or less the death of that particular shrub or that woody you know, woody plant. So just kind of keep that in mind that bark is really crucial. So even running into, you know, uh, let's say the bark on a tree with a mower or a weed eater or something like that, you knock the bark off, then you're reducing the amount of veins there are, and the veins are what translocate Nutrients and moisture from the ground up to the you know up to the top of the tree for bud set, and then actually, then that sends it up in the nutrients and moisture, and then the leaf will make chlorophyll, which is food, and it shares it with the rest of the plant. So let's head over to John's yard. Hi, John. Hey, Mike. Thanks for uh, taking my call. I appreciate sure. it. I bought a house in the spring, and uh, it's about an acre lot. Uh, the house was kind of left for dead. We've rehabbed it, and we're looking to turn to the yard now. It, uh, it's it got a kind of a nice pie-shaped yard in the backyard. The house sits towards the front of the property, and along the backyard are various trees, so oak, uh, maple. There's even a couple of cedar trees, and that's the first part of my question is uh, I've got some advice to kind of cut those cedar trees out. They're good for nothing, as my dad likes to say, and they kill the grass beneath them. What's your thoughts on some medium-sized cedar trees uh, at the back of the yard? Well, I mean c- – Certain junipers are problematic; other ones are not. And so, but if you want to have so, you want to have just what a an evergreen that's it back there. My thought was to put some arborvitaes kind of along. There's a big berm across the back, essentially that divides us from the neighbor's backyard back okay. back there. And I kind of wanted to encapsulate it and make a little bit more private yard. My thought was to just put a big long stretch of arborvitaes up there. And that's my second question is. If I'm looking to do so, um, how do I plant them best in a, in a high berm situation? 
um, and to maximize uh, trying not to kill them because uh, I've noticed a couple of neighbors will plant some in the fall and it seems about maybe a 70% success rate. So that's the second part of my question is, do I need to cut those cedars if that is what I'm after to put some arborvitaes in for some uh, a border or a fence line kind of a look? Yeah, I mean, remove the cedars because if it's a native cedar, then they have, I mean, they cause a disease to, on apples and crab apples and things like that. Even though you may not have those in your landscape, it's going to cause problems if any of, the, any of your neighbors. So the cedar apple rust is a problem with the native you know, junipers, there are upright junipers that have a history from Japan that don't cause that disease. So you can look at, you know, those particular type of cedars as well as the arborvitae. Just make sure with the arborvitae or any evergreen that the top of the root ball is above the surrounding ground. Okay. Uh, by uh, just a, a quarter kind of a deal of the of the total root ball? Yeah, probably not. 20% it should be adequate. Just so if there's any settling at all, it's, you know, it's going to make sure that it doesn't settle at ground level or below ground. A lot of people plant things at grade, then they sink a little bit, then you get too much moisture around the trunk. Sure, it just sits in there and rots. Yep, exactly. Gotcha. So uh, is it, um, depending on the soil, it tends to be pretty, uh, clay-like, uh, should I be mixing in some topsoil when I plant those suckers yeah, and, probably, and uh, throw them up top? Yeah, maybe not topsoil per se. I would mix uh, compost topsoil mix in with the existing soil. So just don't dig gotcha. a hole out and throw all the, the new <laughs> stuff in there. Just mix it in with the existing. Sounds good. Mike, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Happy New Year. Sure. My pleasure and Happy New Year to you. Yeah, by you know adding things then that's part of the, you know, elevating the root ball, too. So, again, the hole should be three times the diameter of the root ball of what you're putting in. And if you want, if it sounds like you kind of have a native setting, don't get the, you know, let's say the arborvitae all the same size or anything that you're going to add all the same size because that makes it look a little bit uh, unnatural. Let's put it that way. If you want to, you can, but uh, just to kind of stay with the theme of uh, what attracted you to the house. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Phone lines open back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. With our crazy weather, you may start to see some of the earlier flowering spring hardy bulbs starting to, you know, the foliage starting to emerge. So you can go ahead and fertilize them. Even though we don't know what the weather's going to be like or anything else, they are, should be tough enough that they can withstand unless it really gets extremely cold. But if you're going to do any kind of fertilizing on bulbs, make sure that you get a specific type fertilizer that's recommended for the bulbs. So head to your favorite garden center and say you've got some daffodils, some crocus, some tulips, or whatever it happens to be, bulbs emerging, and what kind of fertilizer would they recommend? You don't want a whole – the first number in fertilizers that have a series of three is nitrogen. You want to have that one fairly low. The other two numbers you want to have you know, not really extreme, and especially if you fertilize these, you know, these areas recently because of phosphorus and potassium, the last two numbers stay in the soil for a considerable period of time, and too much of phosphorus and potassium – can be detrimental to the plant materials, root system as well. So there are all kinds of things with the fertilizer. And as you all, as I always say, I got to say it every week, get a soil test done, find out what your soil is all about. 
separate soil tests for the lawn areas versus a garden area. And that way you can have a better chance of making a, the best choice for fertilizing. Let's head now over to Linda's yard. Hi, Linda. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I heard I heard you talking about the um, amaryllis that you got so reasonably, or that they were so reasonably priced at a store. And I was at a store yesterday. I won't name the name, <laughs> give them a bad reputation, but um, they had absolutely beautiful poinsettias just thrown in this dump thing, you know, this thing that they wheel around the store. Sure. And sure. I'm just calling to encourage more um, floral departments to just discount those down to like practically nothing, maybe a dollar fifty cents. I was the one who called in and said that I got my poinsettia, you know, from last year to rebloom. Right. And it was it was really minimal effort. So I think, you know, people who really are plant lovers like all of us on, you know, the call into the show, that they would buy these plants and just, you know, work with them a little bit. That was really minimal effort that I put in to get that to rebloom. So I that's what I'm just I'm just calling in to encourage people to do that. It's too late for those poor plants. They were were headed out to the dumpster. (laughs) Yeah, headed to the dumpster. What a shame. Yeah, that's too bad. um, With the blackberries, I I heard that one man talking about his blackberries were tiny, and mine were this past year, not, not previous years, but I don't know about his. Maybe it is maturity, but I know with mine, it was weather wise. They bloomed, and the little tiny blackberries were starting. And then, you know, it was like 100 degrees, and they just didn't mature at all. I got nothing this year. I don't even think I got one. I have uh, just a few wild plants, and I keep them under control because they do pop up everywhere. But anyway, just, yeah, encourage them to persevere. (laughs) But I had read something about wild ones that all they needed for fertilizer was just some good compost, like St. Louis composting. So that's what I put on mine. So anyway, good luck to him. Yeah, I mean, mean, you you see this stuff growing wild in nature, and uh, you have to know that, you know, I grew up in Ellisville, and there was, like, large areas of the blackberries that uh, growing on the edge of the woods. But, I mean, those areas were highly you know, organic as far as the amount of debris falling off the trees and everything else built up over the years. So you're absolutely right. That's true. Yeah. And Happy New Year to you and Tracy. Yep. Thank you. And now let's go over to Daniels. Hi, Daniel. Oh, Ken, uh, sorry, Ken. Oh. Oh, Jan? Yes. Oh, this sorry. Is Jan. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, my fault. Uh, I'm calling about the deer that are rubbing their antlers on my pink magnolia. Is there something I can wrap? These are several uh, trunks or small branches that they're just rubbing the daylights out of this right. bark. There's no, I mean, nothing you can really put around them. I, I've found, you know, and have said over the years, hanging bars of Irish Spring soap is a good deterrent. They're, mm, yeah. they're also, you know, you can go to your favorite garden center and tell them that you have a deer problem. And there's, uh, you know, sprays and things like that, which are basically scents that keep them away. But, okay. uh, you know, that's. Yeah, I spray yeah. Uh, everything in my yard practically because I have lots of deer. <laughs> but I haven't done the trunks of the tree. So maybe I can just spray those. And a lot of it is my homemade spray. So 
I'll yeah. give that a try. Yeah, you might. And again, hanging you know bars of Irish Spring soap on some of the branches keeps them further away from the actual trunks. Okay, good. I'll try that. All right. Love your show. Thank you very much. Well, thanks. And sorry for my confusion there. <laughs> and now let's go over to Rachel's. Hi, Rachel. Hi. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I, I missed out on hearing part of the conversation just ended. It might answer my question. But your your comments about scraped bark, peeling bark, or rodents who are eating it couldn't be more timely. I've got a, a very high-value Japanese maple, and I noticed Oh, probably last week that some of the bark was stripped. I thought maybe it was a deer, but it's fairly high up, and now I'm noticing some additional spots. It's not all the way around. Wondering, apart from what I hear you say on deterrence to prevent future damage, is there anything I can do? do should I be wrapping that part of the trunk until spring where it was stripped? Anything I can do to help the tree? Uh, you don't necessarily need to wrap, and sometimes wrapping can be problematic. But what you can do, if you still see some frayed bark, go ahead and use a razor blade knife or something and cut all that frayed bark off. Because okay. what can happen is moisture from rain, snow, ice, whatever, can you know the the frayed stuff can hold on to that moisture, and that could lead some to an, let's say interior rot type circumstance for the hardwood the really structural part. And with the Japanese maples, their bark is, you know, the maples just in general, but definitely the Japanese maples, the bark is so thin that, uh, you know, it could be really very problematic. Yeah, and I think it's probably squirrels. I noticed in the early spring, you know, when, when they're just beginning to leaf out their pretty red buds, uh, the squirrels just attack the tree. And Maybe, yeah, I don't know if, if there's a different type of deterrence you use for squirrels. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I, that's surprising that squirrels would bother chewing on bark. I know they have to chew to keep their teeth from growing, their lower teeth from growing into the upper part of their mouth. But uh, that's surprising they bother choosing, chewing that because the Japanese maple bark is so thin, I don't know what it would do for them. So you right. got, you well, got some I was wondering if, maybe they're, if, they're, if they're eating it for food. You know, no, the, no, that's not know. that's not a food circumstance for them. Okay, all right. Well, I'll just try to chase the boogers off and <laughs> hope and wait and keep my fingers crossed. So. <laughs> well, good luck with that. Yeah, it's uh, unfortunate that I mean we all like nature. That's why we have plant material and everything else. But part of the nature is you know the you know wildlife, be it voles or squirrels or moles or whatever it is, and start, you know, the ground is, you know, freezing and thawing and everything else. So the mold, you know, invasions, let's say with the tunnels, should be pretty minimal. But if it stays warm for a considerable period of time, if you start to see piles of dirt showing up in your yard, that is actually moles. And what they're doing is they're pushing soil as they're tunneling up to the surface because they got to get rid of it. They can't just necessarily raise the ground up. So if you start to see that, just realize that you do have moles, and those moles are doing you know potentially damage. And the moles are not going to be moving around too much until the ground is warm enough for the earthworms to start moving. And that's what you know moles you know tunnel towards the sound of earthworms crawling in the ground below the surface. That's their main diet. 
Yes, they do eat grubs. So grub control does not get rid of moles. Moles and and grubs, basically the grubs are just appetizers. Their real main diet is just, you know, is going to be earthworms. So just keep that in mind. And just kind of keep an eye out with this crazy weather, 60, 30, 20. And just think, how long ago was it that it was like below zero? I mean, oh, boy, oh, boy. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.